We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Stats fans, welcome to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. As always, you're here with Megan Gower and happy WNBA Finals tip-off day. Game one is tonight at 7 p.m. Super excited to get started with the last leg of the playoffs. Um, so here to talk with me about that is Jen Hatfield from our Her Hoop Stats team. Hey Jen, how's it going? I'm good. Glad to be back on the podcast. Excited to have you back on. It's been far too long. I don't even know how long it's been, but (laughs) the season flew by, so it's been far too long since you've been on, but excited to kind of talk about the last of the semifinals and the upcoming finals with you. can't believe we're already at the close of the season. Yeah. When did, when did the playoffs start? You know, it feels like we've, (laughs) we've zoomed through the season really quickly. And then when you look back at the calendar, July also feels like forever ago. Yep. It's, kind of crazy I feel like just in general with this year I feel like March and April were so long and now I'm like it's October today when did that happen <laughs> it's chilly when I go outside and it's getting dark early when did that happen what are seasons? yes <laughs> the dark early is like really throwing me for a loop I'm like oh it's like 7 p.m but it feels like 9 p.m <laughs> yep definitely I'm definitely resisting the urge to crawl into bed at like 8 p.m yep yep I feel you there. At least when there's basketball games on, there's something to do to entertain yourself when it gets dark. But yeah, definitely, we'll stay up for for basketball. Yes, <laughs> which thankfully there has been a lot of, so that's good. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with? I feel like we should start with the semifinals before we move into the finals and wrap that up, and then move into the finals from there. But so, I mean. Before last week's episode, Seattle had already taken down Minnesota, and that series was done. But the Aces in Connecticut went down to the wire, game five, really down to the wire, and that it was decided by one possession. So, 
um, an exciting series. But any thoughts off the bat you want to offer on that kind of final game five or any other part of that series? It was kind of funny in game five. You know, it was a really close game. We got the competitive game that, you know, I think everybody wanted. uh, But it was also just really ugly. Uh, Like, I think Matt Ellentech on the Locked On Women's Basketball podcast called it a slop fest. And that's a perfect (laughs) word for it. It was was just a mess. Um, You know, the final score was Vegas 66, Connecticut 63. and, And that about sums it up. (laughs) yep (laughs) just really ugly offensively for both teams um just yeah it's funny because it's like at least it was competitive but we were talking about like some of the highest level of basketball in the WNBA so it's so interesting to see it be so like kind of ugly down the stretch with everything on the line Um, yeah highly competitive but not anyone's idea of an instant classic yeah exactly if you need like more of a breakdown on this game you can just go to the WNBA website and look at the shot charts for this game which are um not beautiful (laughs) I actually I counted up the number of of shots that each team made for the entire game outside of the paint and not at the elbow because that's a pretty easy shot for WNBA players in general and Connecticut had five and Vegas had seven so so not the prettiest basketball by any stretch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when you look, especially at like the second quarter numbers too, like the highest, or sorry, second half numbers, like the highest scoring quarter was Las Vegas scored 14 points in the third quarter. Like just not a lot of points for a WNBA game in general. So really kind of gutted it out, I guess, down the stretch on both ends. Um, for me, I'm like looking at it, I'm like Connecticut, you know, fought so hard, like they were the number seven seed they get within, you know, 10 minutes of a WNBA finals appearance. And, and then you score nine points in each of your last two quarters. It's just like not how you end up making it to the finals. So probably a disappointing way for them for that kind of run to end. And, you know, despite all that, they still had a chance to tie it on the final play, which is crazy when you think about that, you know, against the the top seeded team, uh, which frankly looked looked out of sorts for most of the series, which I would attribute in large part to Connecticut. Like they did a they did a tremendous job. Connecticut did as the seven seed. You know, even though you know in Game Five, Alyssa Thomas and Dewana Bonner were the only ones in double figures. Uh, rookies Kyla Charles and Beatrice Montpremier played five minutes between them and didn't score. Like you know they they struggled. Brian January and Jasmine Thomas didn't shoot the ball well at all. You know, combined looks like about 24% between them. That That's just n- not going to cut it on most nights. And the fact that it almost did, I think, says a lot about, you know, their, their defense, their competitiveness, whatever you want to attribute it to. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that point. I mean, to stay in a ball game where you are shooting that poorly, your defense has to be excellent. And I think that's a big part of what Connecticut has done through this whole series that allowed them to even be in a game five as they played. Well, in game one, they played tremendous offense as well. Jasmine Thomas just went off. But in general, they played really good defense in all of these games. And I mean, Connecticut is collectively just a very strong defensive team. And I think that was on full display in the series. But yeah, down the stretch here, just rough. I've it saddens me to see that the rookies had such a rough last game because I thought that both Kyla Charles and Beatrice Montpremier had a very good series. I think we saw them both kind of make some big plays and 
um, had some big moments in this series, but didn't quite get to do that in that final game. Yeah, for for me, as someone who who doesn't cover the Sun a whole lot, but but has watched a fair amount of them, it was really interesting for me to see um, both Charles and Montpremier throughout the season. Um, you know, given Kurt Miller's reputation for not really playing rookies that much and and not trusting them or or whatnot, and them actually being able to carve out playing time was really interesting to me. And you know, in many cases, they delivered. Beatrice Montpremier has kind of been like an X factor off the bench. Um, that Connecticut, I would say, like didn't really know that they had um, for most of the season. But you know, in this game, it just it just didn't happen for whatever for whatever reason. Yeah, agreed. And then kind of flipping over to the other side, obviously, credit to the Aces for doing the opposite and getting it done. I think we saw it, obviously a big night from the MVP, but that's as expected. Asia Wilson play all forty minutes, twenty three points. Um, kind of one of the better shooting performances on the night, despite the fact that she was just 41% from the floor, but she was 7 for 17. So in the 9 of 10 from the free throw line. But I think the other big story is Angel McCautry, who's just villain beer, kind of limited her minutes all season long. But I think towards the end of the series, kind of given her some more time on the court because Vegas has needed her to spend some more time on the court. And um, it just seems like, that's really benefited for them. I'm kind of thinking that's something we're going to see down the stretch as we go into the finals too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really curious to see how she plays in the finals, given that she has been in the finals before with Atlanta, um, but hasn't won a title. I'm, I'm curious, you know, um, how much that's driving her and, and if she's thinking about that at all in, in this final series. I also thought it was interesting that uh, Vegas got zero bench points on Tuesday night, uh, and still managed to win. And this is the team that had that you know set WNBA records for its bench. And you know, obviously, Dr. Hamby is injured, and you know they've shifted Danielle Robinson into the starting lineup. So the bench unit is different than it was. But still, getting no points off your bench in Game Five of the semifinals and winning, like honestly, like hats off to Vegas for for winning a series where I'm not sure we ever saw them at their best. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, especially no points from Jackie Young is a huge blow to what their normal kind of bench lineup looks up. I know Hamby's injured, but Young is also another player that if Hamby wasn't in the conversation for six women of the year, Jackie Young would be kind of at the top of that conversation. So um, definitely a blow to them to not get those points through from anyone on the bench. But like you said, I mean, we did not see them at their best, I think, in the series. And some of that credit is definitely due to you know, Connecticut's defense and how that disrupted Vegas. But if they don't show their best against Seattle, I don't think they're going to win the series. So they're going to need to figure kind of regroup in these couple of days off and figure out how to get their best back out on the floor coming into the finals here. I agree with that. Definitely. And I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, Lindsay Allen really hasn't played much in, in the semifinal series and, she kind of seems to be in Bill Ambier's doghouse, and we don't really know why. Um, as a curious fan, I would love to know why, but uh, regardless, I think he's going to need her in the finals. Um, you know, they managed to get through the semis largely without her, but I think I think he's going to need to play her. You know, Danielle Robinson played 36 and a half minutes. I don't think that's sustainable every night, and particularly not in the finals, given the depth that Seattle has. So curious to see 
how Lindsay Allen's minutes are managed. And, you know, to some extent that could affect Jack Young as well. Um, But just how he handles that. Yeah, I agree with that and kind of jumping ahead to the finals again. But I think Jackie Young is someone that's just going to be a huge key for them going into the finals. I feel like she needs to be an X Factor off the bench and just probably play a lot more than nine minutes a game to be performing to for Las Vegas to get a chance at that championship. They're going to need someone to step up, especially with not having Hamby as a huge blow to this lineup. I mean, I know she comes off the bench, but she basically plays the minutes of a starter. So not having that they really need Jackie Young to step it up and be kind of a big player for them off the bench agreed and you know I'm looking at this box score right now and I'm just noticing Daniel Robinson had 10 rebounds the Aces had had three players with double digit rebounds Wilson with 11 swords with 10 and Robinson with 10 which is like pretty impressive for Daniel Robinson I don't know that she's going to do that every night at all but uh Certainly nice to see that for Bill Ambier, who, who, is it fair to say that his favorite thing is rebounding? <laughs> Probably. And to add to that too, four of those rebounds were offensive, which is obviously big on a night when no one is hitting their shots. So definitely a good thing to see. Yeah. And you know, it, it's not like Dewana Bonner and Alyssa Thomas are slouches rebounding the ball. And <laughs> I could you know, I don't know where they rank in, in the WNBA in, in terms of rebounds, but, you know, they're a tough rebounding team. Yeah, I mean, between Bonner and Alyssa Thomas and then Brianna Jones as well, you have pretty strong presence on the glass there from Connecticut. So it's t- tough to fight for those boards against them. So to see three players from Vegas really be able to get in there and get that done, especially someone that's a guard, that's very impressive. Yep, agreed. That'll be interesting to watch against Seattle as well. Yep, exactly. I have no idea where any of these teams rank in rebounding, but they're all good <laughs> on the glass. So <laughs> it's going to yeah. be a battle on the boards and that it's going to make a difference. Before we move on to Seattle, while we're still talking about Connecticut, I feel like we should <laughs> have our little segment that you were suggesting about Kurt Miller's shirts because... Let's do it. <laughs> my new favorite... Di- topic to talk about <laughs> Kurt Miller's fashion sense but yeah do you have a favorite Kurt Miller shirt from the season should do you want to like give the 10 second summary for anyone who has not watched the amazingness of Kurt Miller yeah that's probably a good thing to do so yeah so for anyone that's not familiar Kurt Miller has been uh having a lot of fun with his shirts in the WNBA finals or well not finals playoffs and just season in general like if you just go google like Kurt Miller shirts you'll see some of them but lots of very patterned very bright polos um basically I think the one of the highlights was like he wore the palm tree polo when they played LA in the second round of the podcast like or podcast (laughs) (laughs) second round of the playoffs so super exciting to kind of be like on the lookout for what Kurt Miller shirt is coming each night um and I think everyone has to have a favorite at this point there's just been so many great ones I also love his reasoning so like in press conferences he's said that he has worn them like it's almost a self-deprecating thing he's trying to laugh at himself to give the players like a moment of levity in a tough season and I just love that that's awesome 
Um, I'm also a fan of the, like, wearing the ones that correspond to the team that you're playing. Mm -hmm. So the palm trees for the sparks. It's why I love the cacti against Vegas for that, like, desert vibe. (laughs) Um, I had a really hard time picking a favorite. Probably, Probably my top several are the cacti. And then there's one with, like, lots of pink and orange flowers that that was really stellar uh matt ellentuck tweeted this is the fit you wear when you know you're going to the finals which is <laughs> um a great a great comment but i think my absolute favorite was the blue polo he wore that had giant green parrots on it yes <laughs> that one is a solid one it is like taking the bird shirt to the whole nother level <laughs> That one was for game three against Vegas, Twitter tells me. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, several games during the regular season as well. But I don't know time anymore, so can't move. <laughs> yeah, I also had a really hard time picking. I was like looking at it before this and I was like, God, there's just so many good ones. Um, I feel like for me, there's one that like is like this weird like geometric like print, but it's very bright colors. I find that one enjoyable. The parrots are also highly up on the list, but I think the cacti one is my favorite. It's just like bright pink with little green cactuses all over it. Actually, they're not really little because I feel like when you say shirt with little cactuses all over it, (laughs) people imagine very tiny cactuses. They are pretty large cactuses all over the shirt. So I don't know. I just find it. Yeah, they're they're like a decent size. (laughs) I've got a picture of it right here. This is a bright pink shirt, at least. I think the colors are a little bit off in this photo, but it, but it appears to be a pinkish shirt with with pretty large cacti on it. Yeah. I'm curious if he does against Seattle. Like, how, like, does he have a stormy shirt? <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, too. What else could you do for Seattle? I don't know, some, like, mountains or something for, like, you're near the mountains in Seattle? I don't know. I've never been to Seattle, so I don't really have a Starbucks shirt. That would be very fitting. <laughs> I, I apologize in advance for not going to the site that he orders these from uh, before the podcast, which has been like posted on social media. It's not it's not a secret and scouring for a potential storm themed shirt that he may or may not have ordered. I feel like I'm ne- neglecting my research duties as a guest of the pod. <laughs> I feel like someone needs to write an article like just based on that website like creating like a, a five game series of shirts for every possible opponent in the WNBA like this is your playoff wardrobe caging Matt Ellentuck because mm-hmm. I feel like that's super on brand and yes. I mean that as a compliment yes <laughs> agreed yeah I feel like that is the biggest downfall of the Connecticut Sun not being in the finals is there will be no more Kurt Miller shirts I feel like he needs to like send pictures of him or post pictures on Twitter of himself wearing crazy shirts in his house while he watches the finals just to keep everyone entertained yes Kurt Miller if you or anyone close to you are listening please do that yes <laughs> it'll bring me a lot of joy as we I all also still stay on my in these times <laughs> even though you are not no longer in the bubble we'd really appreciate it <laughs> yes i did see he posted some pictures of his dog so that is also very appreciated twitter content though so it's okay <laughs> i suppose i'll take dog photos if there's no pictures of the shirts <laughs> Sometimes when I'm having a pet uh, a bad day, I just go to Instagram and look at Megan Gustafson's corgi. Oh my god, it's so cute! 
I like I feel like someone needs to create like a Instagram account like dogs of WNBA players because I feel like so many of them have cute puppies and I just want to see all of them. Yeah, and there was that whole whole debate about whether they were going to get dogs in the bubble, which feels like <laughs> forever ago, but uh, yes. <laughs> still relevant to the times. Yes, definitely still relevant. All right, shall we talk about the final series of bubble basketball? Seattle Storm, Las Vegas Aces. This is coming out tomorrow morning, so tips off today if you're listening. Um, Friday night hoops. Yes, very exciting. Glad to see that you get like kind of Friday night game, primetime game, though I'm pretty sure there's also NBA on, which is... I wish they would take more advantage of when there's off nights, but it is what it is. Anyway, um, so yeah, I feel like this is the series that we were all expecting, right? Like I think if you ask anyone... And coming down the stretch of the season, who's going to be in the WNBA finals? Everyone was going to say Seattle, Las Vegas. Yep, I'm I'm excited to see it again, and and hope that Vegas took the extra day to press the reset button and is back to the juggernaut we knew from the regular season. I agree. I want to see a good series. I think you know Vegas struggled down the stretch, but they got it done, and that's what matters in that Connecticut series. Reset. Put that behind you and get ready to take on Seattle. I think in a like help for familiarity, they like did just play Seattle right at the close of the regular season. So before they played Connecticut, Seattle was I think the last team that they played. But of course, they played them without Brianna Stewart and without Subert. So a little bit different ball game kind of coming into Game One of this. Yeah, it's really interesting how the dynamic has has flipped. Like Las Vegas is the number one overall seed, but I think we'd call them the underdogs here. Um, Seattle's deeper, healthier, uh, you know, but Vegas won the two meetings in the regular season. So you would think that in, in some ways you should bet on them. It's a very, it's, it's like a lot of role reversals here. Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. I think, like you said, Vegas won both regular season games, but I feel like the biggest thing for Vegas right now is just losing to Erica Hamby. It was a huge blow. What she does for them is just like, I don't think it can be fully quantified by stats. She's just a really dynamic player and then obviously six women of the year, but basically a starter for their squad, plays a lot of minutes. Um, so that's a kind of big hole in their lineup going into this one where, as you said, Seattle's very healthy. I think everyone's expected to – I don't think there's anyone on the injury report. Currently, whatever Subert and Brianna Start were dealing with at the end of the summer or not summer, well, I guess end of the summer, end of the season, um, seems to be resolved. So kind of feels like it's flipped on its head a little bit. Yep, just Sammy Whitcomb, who has departed the bubble to be with her wife for the birth of their first child. So uh, cheers to Sammy Whitcomb, um, though it will be disappointing for fans not to get to see her play in this series. Agreed, and a little bit of a blow to the storm, but I don't think, it, I feel like the blow to the aces with Hamby being out is a bigger one but agree that it's they're both missing some pieces that are important parts of their puzzle yeah I think I, I think Sammy's important but I would agree with you that Dierka is is the bigger loss just based on you know less saying oh you know Sammy's not as important as Dierka or something like that and more saying well Seattle has more pieces around her to be able to absorb that you know like Sammy Whitcomb was the player who drove the basketball to take the final shot against Minnesota in game one. So like she's an important part of their offense and she's trusted in late game situations. And she does a lot more than what she's 
you know, everyone, everyone looks at her as a three point shooter and she does more than that. She can help run the offense when Sue Bird is out or injured or Jordan Canada is out. Um, you know, she does a lot of things for them, but I think Seattle is really well positioned to be able to step up and, and absorb that. Yeah, I agree. I think they just, like we've said all season, they're a very deep team, which puts them in a position to be able to kind of work around and, and well, it's not an injury, sorry, just losing player like that um, and kind of putting the pieces together quickly, back together quickly, because like it's only a five-game series. There's not a lot of room for error, but they're just built in a way that makes it easier to absorb. And the kudos to Seattle, too, for, you know, like, Throughout last year, everyone was already looking to 2020 as the Storm's year. And then this year, and you know, coming in, the Storm had all their pieces back and there was this narrative. And the narrative's easy, but executing against that narrative is is difficult, particularly with those expectations. And then you had Sue Bird kind of in and out of the lineup this year. So, you know, hats off for them for taking care of business and making it look easy for a lot of the season. And it definitely was not easy. Yeah, I would definitely echo that because I think, you know, everyone coming in was like, yes, the Storm are going to win this and they're going to run away with this. But they haven't fully ran away with it, but they have been consistently good. And I think those were lofty expectations coming in, right? Like you were hankering on the fact that Brianna Stewart was going to be playing at a level like she was in 2018, coming off a pretty serious Achilles injury, which she is at that level, which is obviously a big deal for Seattle. And then just all the other pieces coming together. I mean, they had big pieces step up last season without Stewart and without Bird but to kind of have everything mesh back together adding those players back into the lineup and kind of come together to get to this point has been very impressive yeah and you know just looking forward uh, just for a second um, I think you know it's it some folks on Twitter have been looking to the 2021 season because there are lots of players who are not in the bubble for whatever reason and saying like, wow, 21, 2021 is going to be amazing when we get players like Liz Cambage and Elena Deladon back. Um, but it's interesting for, for all three teams that we've been talking about, Connecticut, Seattle, and Las Vegas, there are some big free agency uh, mm-hmm. decisions that they're all going to have to make in the off season. And so like, you know, if, if Seattle is not able to bring all its pieces back, like this could be its best shot for a couple of years rather than it being like, oh, you know, Seattle's going to be this good for, you know, a really long time because they have all these players locked up. Like, no, there's a lot of moving parts for Seattle and Vegas and Connecticut. And I won't break that down if, if you want to see who the free agents are. Um, our Richard Cohen did a, a did a piece um, last week breaking all that down that you can find on our website. So I'll just refer you there. But um, you know this this series could be like our last seeing of the Aces the way that we know them right now, and the last way of seeing the last time that we see Seattle looking the way that they are right now. Right, I think that's so important. Like the landscape can change so much between now and the twenty twenty one season. I think. We kind of free agency from this year just seems so long ago because of everything else that has gone on in the world. But like we saw that happen this year, there was so many moving pieces. I mean, Washington kind of totally changed their squad in a lot of ways after winning the title. Saw big changes in Phoenix, a lot of places. So um, it's kind of interesting to see 
what's coming down the road and try to think about it. But at the same time, yeah, it's like don't take this series for granted because it, this has been a fantastic Seattle team, but this might not be the Seattle team we all see next year. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I cover the Mystics as, as a beat reporter for the next. And if you want to know how much your team has uh, blown up its roster in the offseason, ask your favorite beat reporter how tired they are. I was <laughs> tired last year during free agency. And several several of us on, uh, covering other teams were also extremely tired. I guess in, in hindsight, it was like a trial run for the bubble because it was like every day a new piece of, of news would drop. But of course, we, you know, those were some of our last weeks of not knowing that we would that we would have to, you know, go through all that we've been through this <laughs> the coronavirus. Yes. Yeah. Kind of crazy to think <laughs> how different the world was like six months ago. <laughs> so going back to the kind of upcoming finals matchup, any big storylines you're looking forward to watching, matchups that you're looking forward to? Yeah, the matchups are going to be interesting. I think, you know, um, like who guards Angel McCutchery? Is that going to be, you know, Alicia Clark? Like who's that going to be? You know, who guards Jewel Lloyd? Like I think that those like we're we're gonna get probably Asia Wilson versus Brianna Stewart, which mm-hmm. I can't wait to see. Like that's the headline matchup. But I'm just intrigued to see how they decide to match up in this series and and whether that changes game to game or or whether that's pretty consistent with like a clear pecking order where we can see you know okay the coach's first priority is is to stop you know asia or brina stewart and then the second priority is this or this or does it change you know game to game yeah that's a really good point and we haven't really talked about seattle's semifinal series but i mean jewel lloyd was just absolutely fantastic for them in that series against the Lynx. was probably the mvp of the series and she kind of keeps that momentum going into this one she's going to be a problem for the aces so i think that's something very interesting to keep an eye on and then like you said agreed angel mccoutry has been phenomenal for vegas so how does seattle stop her but it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like you also have kind of an interesting matchup in the like point guard position in that Seattle, like, assuming Super is playing most of the minutes, you've got a really veteran seasoned point guard that kind of plays that position naturally where Vegas doesn't always seem to have that position figured out. They kind of rotate a lot of different players through it and it's kind of be interesting kind of matchup there. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I, I'm also curious to see um, – you know, the the other forwards besides the Asia-Brianna matchup, I'm curious to see, you know, how Carolyn Swords handles players like Natasha Howard and Ezie Magbegor, who is a great story. Uh, she is uh, a rookie from Australia who is taking final exams next week for her uh, college degree. Um, so best wishes, Ezie. Um, but you know, I really enjoy watching her play and, and I'm curious to see, you know, what goes on on the inside as well. And also whether Kayla McBride can get it going. Um, she shot four for nine in game five, but, um, many of those were two pointers. She didn't shoot very well from the outside and, and the latter is really what she's known for. So, um, hoping she can heat up a little bit to really give the aces that spacing that they need. 
Yeah, all through that series, she really struggled with shooting from outside the arc. So agreed that that they're gonna need that. That's kind of an, I talked about Jackie Young being an X factor for them, but I feel like that's another X factor for them. If Michaela or Caleb McBride is knocking out down shots from outside, that's gonna be hard to guard, and it gives them a little bit of an advantage, especially because Vegas is a team that doesn't shoot many three pointers to begin with. So if they can get few good ones dropping from outside that kind of gives them a little buffer and it doesn't force them to score pretty much everything in the paint like they typically do um especially because seattle is a team that has many players that can shoot threes being able to step outside and hit some shots is going to be important for vegas i'm also curious to see how how this series is going to be officiated um you know against connecticut to an extent i think both connecticut and vegas benefited from being able to play a really physical game. And in the finals, I think that if the refs lean toward letting them play, that favors Vegas, whereas a tighter called game probably benefits Seattle. So I'm curious to see to what extent the referees toe that line. Agreed. I would agree with that. I just hope in general that like we don't talk about the refs that much going down the stairs because I feel like in both kind of of the like semifinal series, there was a fair amount of chatter about the refs and I feel like the refs are just generally better when no one's talking about them. So, yeah, and, and no more like dubious technicals for players showing a little bit of emotion not directed at anyone else in particular. Cough, Asia Wilson's technical cough. Yep, <laughs> totally agree with that. I've, I mean, people say it all the time, but I think it's so true that like when you look at like what it takes in the men's game to get a technical called versus the women's game, it's just like it's ridiculous. It's just not call technicals for things that are very clearly not technicals. Yeah, Candace Parker has said some really good things about this. I, I wish I could remember exactly where, but I think in, in multiple places she's talked about, you know, because she works as an NBA analyst. And so she's really attuned to some of the differences in how, you know, she's officiated versus, um, you know, many NBA players. And she's talked about how. Um, she thinks there's a clear difference in, in how men and women are officiated. And um, I, I think she said some of this on the Tea with A and Fee podcast, which I highly recommend. Uh, love, love that podcast with Asia Wilson and Nafisa Collier. That's so much fun. Two of like the probably brightest like young stars in the league and then also hilarious. They were so entertaining. So yes, highly recommend. If you're listening to us, you should definitely be listening to them. <laughs> When they have cool merch, I'm like tying my hands behind my back to keep myself. I know. I feel like this. I, this is very off topic, but there's been so much cool like WNBA merch lately. Like Brianna Stewart has some of her own stuff. Arike Gumbawale just came out with some really cool merchandise. Yeah, the unicorn stuff was super cool. There's like an Asia Wilson sweater or sweatshirt that's uh, like cool, like neon, like card looking thing with her oh, on it. Yes. That's saw that so one. many cool merch. I keep buying way too much stuff. I've decided that because we're basically not leaving the house that much, my fall wardrobe is just going to be like WNBA t shirts and hoodies. And this is how I'm justifying how much I take out my credit cards to buy WNBA <laughs> merchandise. Buy <laughs> all the merchandise people. My favorite recent purchase is the Put Women's Sports on TV shirt from Breaking Tea. I wear that all the time. I want that one. I haven't gotten it yet, which is shocking considering the number of t-shirts I own from Breaking Tea. I also love the MVP shirt they did for Asia. I just think it's very pretty. Um, it's like 
for for folks who haven't seen it yet, you can go on the breakingtea.com website to see it. Um, and that'll do it way more justice than I'll say it here. But it's it's a like artsy drawing of Asia in profile with her signature like red headband. And then it says, uh, does it say Asia or does it say MVP? I can't remember. It says Asia and then it says most valuable underneath. So both. I win. Yeah, I know. I want that one too. I've been holding out. I'm like waiting for them to put out a Crystal Dangerfield Rookie of the Year shirt and then I'll do like a bulk order. Granted, I don't really know why I don't just go ahead and order because I am clearly a breaking tea addict and I have free shipping for life because I do order that much from them. So That is amazing. <laughs> I wish yeah. I had free shipping from them. <laughs> I also enjoy my like 15 seconds of fame in that if you like there's one of their US Women's National Team soccer shirts that if you um go look shopping for it you'll see my face <laughs> advertising it <No> way. <laughs> yeah it's um from the women's world cup last year awesome. <laughs> i have the um the like inside out one um yes. with becky barbara on the back nice i feel like we should have done uh like an rbg one since tobin wore was it tobin who wore rbg on her back I'm pretty sure it was Tobin. Yeah. I feel like they should have like released one of those, like a limited edition, like RBG shirt after she passed. But yes, agreed, agreed. If anyone from Breaking Tea is listening, you should capitalize on that idea. <laughs> we're, we're giving ideas away for free here. I know. <laughs> About soccer. <laughs> not a soccer podcast so I should get off of that tangent but anyway yes lots of cool merch everyone go check it out <laughs> but after I, WNBA finals there will still be some NWSL fall series I believe so if yes. you're uh, getting increasingly distraught like I am about the end of WNBA basketball fret not there is there is some women's sports still on TV and the NWSL is awesome I just said, no, they do not sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Breaking Team wants to sponsor the podcast. Just kidding. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, one more last note on the March discussion, though. I feel like the new thing with, like, Store and Asia's and all these players and the team with AMP merch is coming from, it's like, I forget what it's called exactly, but I think it was founded by Brianna Store, Taco Fall, and Mo Bamba, but it's, like, goes, it comes, like, or the money goes directly to the players, which is really awesome. I thought that was an Im- kind of important to see. Um, so you know that they're getting a bigger cut than they do probably from other stuff. So that's, that's pretty awesome, awesome to see. Now we just need the WNBA to sell those um, sweatpants that all the players are wearing. Yes, so. I want the sweatpants so badly. Yep. And everyone on Twitter wants the socks. I, I, I don't really care about socks, but like yeah. in general, I think the WNBA should sell more merch. So socks. Mm-hmm. And yes. pants, please. please. Pretty please. Yes. The sweatpants, like every that's all anyone's wearing every day right now. Like sell the sweatpants. I'll take like five pairs, please. <laughs> We're all at home wearing sweatpants. There has never been a better time to sell sweatpants. Please exactly. <laughs> I could probably do a whole podcast on like the void for women's sports merch and female catered like athletic merch, but that's a topic for another time. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So one last thing for this episode and to head into the WNBA finals tonight, if we got to make some picks. So who are you 
picking to win the series and in how many games? I'm going to pick Seattle. And you know what? I think I'm going to bank on Vegas kind of returning to form even without Dierka Hamby. And I'm going to optimistically say for all of us involved that this goes a full five. Fair. I'm also going to go Seattle. And I'm going to go, I think, Seattle in four. I feel like Vegas is going to win a game, but I just, I don't know that they're going to be able to come together to win two. So I'll say Seattle in four. One more pick, and I'm going to keep it interesting. I'm going to say, who is your finals MVP? With the caveat that you're not allowed to pick Brianna Stewart. Oh, now that is that is tricky. Um, I I guess I will say Jewel Lloyd. I think that's the like the fairly straightforward uh, second pick, but I could see a lot of players jumping. I could even see Asia Wilson stealing it if she does MVP things. <laughs> fair, fair. I was going to say uh, Julia would probably be my pick, but I'm going to go Alicia Clark just because I feel like she just needs a little bit more recognition for like how fantastic she's been this season. So I hope she's got like a couple of plays like she's had in that first game against Minnesota and can kind of sneak her way into that one that would be such a great story to cap this amazing season yeah i am here for it hashtag alicia clark for finals mvp (laughs) start a trend see if it works (laughs) all right thanks for joining jen anytime thanks so much this has been fun Well, that's all for today's episode. If you like what you hear on the podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Also, make sure you're checking out the stats site at herhoopstats.com. We've just added in the past month or so a bunch of WNBA stats, lots of cool information there in free preview mode still. So check that out before the finals. There's Lobo's Look, which is a great kind of in-depth look at the stats for both games in the final. So check that out for sure. Also make sure you're subscribed to our free newsletter and check us out on social at Her Hoop Stats on all platforms. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.